Hey there, welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about the magic of earning a living independently doing something you really care about. We have a great guest on the show today, but before I tell you about him, let me tell you about Podia. Podia is like an amazing Swiss Army knife for selling anything online. It's an all-in-one digital storefront where you can sell courses, memberships, and digital downloads all in one place. The cool thing about Podia is that they eliminate all of the technical headaches. You don't have to install anything. You can host your sales pages there, your files, your checkout process. You can even do your email marketing and newsletters right from Podia. Fizzle Show listeners get 15% off of Podia for life by signing up for a free trial over at podia.com slash fizzle. That's P-O-D-I-A dot com slash fizzle. Thanks to Podia for sponsoring The Fizzle Show and for supporting independent entrepreneurs like you and me. If you've been a longtime listener of The Fizzle Show, you've probably heard Matt Giovanisi before. He's a uh, returning champion of sorts, I'd say. One of the few people who's actually been on this show multiple times, and I wanted to catch up with Matt again today because he's one of those entrepreneurs who has a lot going on. He also changes and adapts frequently over the years, and I always like to check in with Matt because he leads with a philosophy about what he's thinking about and how his business should work and what he wants his life to be like and how those things should integrate. So it's a holistic kind of philosophy, and I know that if I check in with Matt every six months or so, he'll have something new for me. So Matt, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited because uh, when we were warming up today, you Mm -hmm. mentioned a couple of things that I want to kick off with. Uh, For people who don't know you, you've had probably six or eight different businesses over the years. Uh, Yeah, I'd say about that, maybe more. (laughs) Maybe more. Uh, What are the the top three right now that, that you're focused on? The top three, uh, the one that's been sort of the longest lasting is swimuniversity.com, which is a website where I teach people how to take care of pools and hot tubs. And I started in that industry when I was 13. So just kind of like started teaching people as a 13 year old, started teaching adults how to take care of their pool at a local store. And that sort of parlayed into a website. So that's what I've been doing the longest. And then uh, I have, yeah, then I have um, moneylab.co, which is a website and podcast. Uh, where I talk about similar things uh, that you talk about on Fizzle, um, but more in the experiment side of things. So like um, I wanted an entrepreneur website where that, that like talked about entrepreneurship without, without uh, preaching entrepreneurship. So yep. it was, let me just, let me just show you what I'm doing. It was sort of like a, it's kind of like a live journal of sorts of things that I like a hypothesis that I have about business or my own business and I will do it in real time and you can follow along and watch or listen to me do it and then have like a postmortem at the end that's like, oh, did this work? How much money was made? You know, all this sort of stuff and then it sort of lives there and that's what Money Lab is. And then the other one is, um, well, I do have another site called Brew Cabin, which is a home brewing site similar to Swim University. And um, then I have a site called, uh, or I have a product called Lasso, which is an affiliate marketing plugin um, that has gone through about three iterations, but is now called Lasso, and uh, it's at getlasso.co, and it's a WordPress plugin for affiliate marketers. Nice. And uh, you also host a podcast as well. Oh my God, yeah. Well, two. So I also, yeah, two <laughs> podcasts. So I have the Mo- Money Lab podcast, which I, I mentioned uh, briefly, and then I, I've, I'm on a show called Listen Money Matters. I'm a co-host with my buddy Andrew, who's also on Money Lab as well, and it's a personal finance podcast, and we've been doing that. Uh, well, he's been doing that for about six years. Yep. And I did it for the first year and a half. I quit and then I came back and did it some more. You patched things up and came back. I patched things up <laughs> and I came back. Yeah. So last time we caught up, uh, you were, I think, in the middle of wrapping up a project that was a WordPress plugin. Yeah. That that you had uh, some some good and bad experiences with. It, it, mm-hmm. At the time, it was called Earnest, and I think mm-hmm. we talked about uh, building software as a non-software person was yeah. was part of the conversation. We also talked about partnerships and how those can go mm-hmm. 
positive or negative, kind of depending yep. on how it works out. So um, how did that evolution go from from wrapping up that project to folding it into the new project, which is Lasso? Okay, so that's <laughs> – all right, so there's an honest story there. The honest story is – so I had this thing called Ernest, which is essentially what Lasso is, but Lasso is a little bit more in, involved than what, what Ernest was. And yeah, I had had a partner. I had bought him out on Ernest, and then I just worked with a single developer, and we just kind of had this plugin, and, and it works very well. And I, I have it still installed on one of my sites. And so uh, then I kind of had this epiphany of, hey, you know, my company is a digital – media company and therefore we don't do software. It's not a thing that, that we're really good at. It's not a thing that I'm very good at. I may be good at a lot of like things that have to do with software, but building it is not one of them. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna kind of let this thing exist on autopilot. If people wanna buy it, it's, it's perfectly, it works. And if it needed some updates, I can just you know tap this developer to like do some quick updates. And I, but I wasn't going to put any more marketing towards it. And then when I patched things up with Andrew for the, and to get back on the Listen Money Matters podcast, he had been working silently on this um, product called Lasso, which essentially is a lot of what Ernest did. And his, what he said to me was, listen, um, I'm offering to partner with you. In fact, I'm not just offering it. I'm demanding it because <laughs> I do not want to be in competition with you. Uh, and I said, and I was like, well, dude, no, I'm not really even selling Lasso. So I'm not. We're not even really in competition. He goes, no, you don't understand. I am crazy competitive and I don't want to think of you as I'm going to destroy my friend. Yeah. Like he didn't even want that in his head. Yeah. Because he's just that competitive as a person. And so he was like, please just like join me with and, and to do lasso and like, let's, let's combine forces and make this thing. I don't, or, or, or shut down Ernest. And so that was kind of the ultimatum. And it was an ultimatum and, 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 and the right one. Cause when I thought about it, I was like, Oh, should I, should I be mad at this? Should I, should my, my, my ego is kind of talking to me like, yo, who's this guy? Like, what's he going to, he's going to make you shut down your thing. Like, yeah. And I, and, and that's like, I had to put that aside and go, no, actually he's right. And I understand that. Cause we're, we are about to enter a partnership that would be like me getting married, but still having a girlfriend on the side and trying to, and you know, trying hey, to, babe, it'll, it'll be fine. Don't worry yeah, about it'll it. It'll be fine. Like, yeah. I, like once a month, maybe I'll go talk to, you know, yeah. it's like, that doesn't make any sense and it doesn't really work. Uh, so I did partner with him and we kind of took a lot of what Ernest did and actually a lot of Ernest's code and put it into Lasso. Nice. So it is a, it is a nice blend of the two. And, uh, the Lasso is a, a link management tool for yes. affiliate marketing. Yeah. Yep. It's like, uh, the way I describe it is pretty links on steroids. So it does everything that pretty links does, except it also has a lot of display options to help your affiliate links convert better. So, uh, the initial way it came about was I had four, four, four or five years ago when I started swimming or when I had some university, um, I had switched to going from a bunch of different smaller affiliate programs to Amazon because Amazon was paying more. They had an API and, you know, obviously people trust Amazon and, uh, Andrew actually at the time was forcing me or not forcing me again. He's not, not that bad of a person, no, but <laughs> <laughs> so he's, are you, is this an abusive relationship you need yeah, to talk no, about? Right, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. So no, he was like, you should build this thing that you can tap into the Amazon API and create these, the, he had this idea, like you know, you could create these display boxes using this Amazon API. So that way the prices are always updated. And at the time I'm like, dude, I don't know how to code. I don't even know what an API is. I don't even know what you're talking about. He goes, and I, and I fought him so heavily on it. Cause I'm like, I don't want to build this. That's not what I do. And he goes, just do it, man. And he, and I sat down, I remember it was, like, I think it was February. It was, I forget what year, maybe 2014. And I just, built it. Like I built this really simple, it was fully integrated in my WordPress site. It wasn't a plugin. It was just like in the functions file. Yeah. And it, what it did was, um, I would have to enter my API key in and then I would basically go to Amazon and find some sort of product number. There was a B there was like these, every Amazon product starts with a B, um, is there like a unique ID? And so I would add that in a short code. And then when I loaded the page, it would go to Amazon's API, pull down all of the information, like the photo, the price, the description, the title, and then it would display all of that information on my site. And then every 24 hours, it would check that API to update the price. 
So, so yeah. And 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 just to kind of set the context for people, so you're building this out of your needs for Swim University and yeah. and your other sites. And and that's kind of how you came to entrepreneurship was building these information-based sites for mm-hmm. people that have a particular need or interest. In one case, it was swim care, in another case it was brewing beer. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. you did another one around coffee, I think for a while yep. and sold that. Yeah. And so those sites, the way that you make money on those sites is mm-hmm. through affiliate offers, correct? Yes. So, yes. so explain, Amazon. explain to people how that works. Just if, if they're for a layman. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you, you get an account with Amazon, you put a link to an Amazon product on your website with a specific tag, which is in the URL. And if somebody clicks that and goes to Amazon and buys that product, you earn a commission. And so in my case, at the time I was earning about 8% commission and it was on a, um, it would kind of go like the more you sent traffic to Amazon, the more you convert it, you know, buys, the more your commission rate went up. Now it's, now it's more fixed. And so like there are certain categories that pay out a higher commission rates than other categories. Thankfully, um, you know, the pool and patio outdoor category pays pretty well still. Whereas like coffee really doesn't pay that well. Yeah. Um, so you have to go and look at that, but basically, yeah, it's sending traffic to Amazon, recommending products, uh, on Amazon, people click those links, they go to Amazon, they buy it and then whatever else they buy too. So if they go and buy, you know, uh, some shock, you know, on Amazon and then a flat screen TV, I'm getting credit for you that. You get entirely. paid for both because because you referred yeah. the customer. Right. And it's not like the customer pays anymore. They're paying the normal price. It's Amazon giving me a commission for that sale. Yep. And um for people who aren't familiar with this world, there are sites out there that make millions of dollars from Amazon referrals. One of my favorites is called The Wire Cutter. Yeah. And uh, I think they sold to the New York Times a while yep. back. Um, but there are, there are plenty of sites like that. And so for for the average Joe Schmo like yourself, yeah. you can make thousands of dollars from from doing this from a site, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You can make a very good living doing it. And there are people, there's, uh, there's different types of affiliate marketers. There's people who just like build up these really quick sites. They're best of articles. They're just, you know, you've probably run into them. Like I'm currently in the market for tents and sleeping bags because we were going on a camping trip this weekend and I own nothing. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, you Google best tent and it's like, oh, here's the 10 best tents of 2009. It's like this site that's just, that's all they do is best of things because they're trying to get affiliate marketing traffic and they're trying to make money through that. And then you find the diamonds in the rough, which I found um, this site called Clever Hiker, I think it's, or Clever Hiking, Clever Hiker, where it's like really a well done top 10 list of like the best tents and the reasons why these are the best. And they've actually been tested. And this is what Wirecutter does, that they actually go out. It's sort of like consumer report sites, but there are affiliate marketers who kind of just spin these up really quickly and don't do a lot of research and they end up ranking. But um, then there's people like me and Andrew and um, the wire cutter even who really are building out these like educational sites first and affiliate sites second. You know, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And I think the the argument or the, the distinction back in the day was like um, niche sites are kind of what we're yeah. talking about. Right. And, and it, there were people who decided to build like dozens of these niche sites and each mm-hmm. of them made a couple thousand dollars and it added up whatever. But yeah. then in the affiliate marketing world, like maybe 10 years ago or something, this new idea of authority sites came That's about. Right. And the yeah. idea there was that you build a brand first and, and, uh, focus on that one brand and make that a really, um, authority in that space, whatever it is you think about, um, the wire cutter or uh, nerd wallet is another like mm-hmm. massive yeah. affiliate site that you yes. don't necessarily think of as being an affiliate site because they just help you understand credit cards and all that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. they get paid on the back end when you go and buy one of those credit cards or sign up for one. Yeah. It's a great example. And so when you, when you build a site like that, managing all of the links Mm-hmm. becomes an issue, right? Understanding mm-hmm. where the links are, what they look like, if you're missing opportunities because you yeah, mentioned are they something. Bro- are they broken? Are they out of stock? Is it making money? All of, yeah, there's, yeah. And just so and links in general too. I mean, yeah, links. I mean? Yeah, that's true. Not just affiliate links, but links in general. And so mm-hmm. that's really what you're aiming to solve with Lasso. Yeah, that and the the other problem. So the problem that I, so yes, a hundred percent. And the the secondary problem that I was trying to solve on Swim University when I built that first version of what became Ernest, which then became Lasso, 
is I, you know, if it's just an in-text link and people click it, well, they don't sometimes know if they're going to be going to Amazon or not. And they'll be surprised if they do go to Amazon, like, oh, I thought they were, I was going to learn more about pool shock. I didn't, I didn't realize I was going to get sent to Amazon. And so I thought, well, you know, if I create, if I create these little breakout boxes within the content, that's like, if I'm, if I'm sitting there talking about, I love this type of pool shock, it's the best. And then I present in, in the content, I present them a link to, here's what we recommend. Also, here is the actual updated price. Also, the button says buy now on Amazon. Like you kind of already know what's going to happen when you click that button. Yeah. And what that actually leads to is a higher conversion rate for both my site and Amazon, because with one, people are coming to Amazon and knowing that they're going to Amazon. And two, they're seeing the price. Yeah. So they know before they even click it, what, the, what to expect. And they know what it looks like. And they know that I recommend it or this website recommends it. And so I saw a huge increase in revenue just from doing that. And it was all automated with this API. Yeah. And so then I ended up building Ernest, which was a mix of not just Amazon, but you could throw any affiliate link in there. So like I personally on Money Lab linked to Fizzle. And, and so that Fizzle has its own little box that's like, you know, try free for five weeks. And it says, you know, tr and that's the, what the button says. And it has a, the logo for Fizzle and it has a description like, hey, I've been using Fizzle for X amount of years. And I started my entrepreneurial journey using Fizzle. So it's really like a a box that's a sales pitch. And if you go on something like Wirecutter, you see that all the time. Yeah. Or they, they have these nice little boxes, like here's the best TV that we, you know, best pick, all this really nicely designed thing. And so um, that's essentially what we're trying to do with Lasso is build a tool that'll let you be the wire cutters, the authority sites that, that do this really advanced affiliate marketing um, without actually knowing how to code. Yeah. And also just doing those best practices for people that mm -hmm. you have proven and tested over the years in yeah. terms of what the box should look like, what the call to action should say, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Really being transparent about it, you know, and, and also recognizing that like, Hey, this is an affiliate link. This is our disclaimer. You yep. know, you click this, you buy something, we earn a commission at no additional cost to you. And so all of those, and like, even when it's updated, we even throw the updated date in there. So, you know, like this is freshly updated. This is an affiliate link that they recommend. Cool. Like I'm, I'm more likely to click and buy than not. So you, we've already covered like so many different, we talked about so many different businesses that, that mm. you've run. And, uh, to me, like that feels stressful thinking about running <laughs> that many different things. Yeah. But you said before we jumped on today that this has been the best year for you in terms of business mm. and, and life both because yeah. of some kind of focus or epiphany. And I, I think this is what we all want. You know, some people have, um, uh, a theme that they set for the year, like at the, yeah. at the beginning of the year, you know, instead of doing like big planning and stuff, they just set a theme and it kind of sounds like this is the direction that you took this year. What, mm -hmm. what, what was this epiphany? Like what, what has been the breakthrough for you? The breakthrough was, uh, honestly, when I teamed back up with Andrew late last year, um, we looked at all of my expenses and then looked at all my revenue and I, spent most of last year uh, or the, the second half of last year editing my own business, right? So looking at my business holistically, like you had mentioned earlier and going, well, okay, like I'm spending X amount of dollars on three writers, for example. Uh, do we really need three? Can we get away with one? And is, this, is that going to change anything? Uh, so do we, you know, hey, what about this software? I'm spending X amount of dollars on this software. Do we, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars, one of them being WP engine. I was spending $600 a month plus wow. for that. And I'm like, you know, and that, that's ignorance in a way. Cause I'm being sold through WP engine. I love WP engine, but they're just like, Hey, you got a lot of traffic. So, you know, we're just going to keep jacking up the $600, price. $600. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and in my head, I'm like, yep, that sounds fair. Like I make more than $600 a month. So therefore, right. Yep. And it turns out like all I had to do was invest um, a little bit of time and effort into understanding how to increase my page speed and, and how caching worked and how and how WP Engine tracks, you know, visitors. And so uh, with, you know, and just going through and kind of 
scrutinizing every little expense and questioning it and then having a discussion with my team, which isn't, which was pretty big at the time and now has been downsized and not that, you know, people lost their jobs. It was all contractors. And so I hooked them up with other opportunities so that, you know, it wasn't like I just shut the, you know, I turned the off switch and everyone kind of went away. I made sure that everyone was taken care of and we, and I had multiple months of like, this is coming, this is coming. So a little different in the online space, especially when you're a smaller company, but I really did a lot of editing and the editing freed up a lot of, um, income. And then what I had, a I read this book called traction where, uh, have you ever read traction Mm, or heard of it? Who wrote it? Gino Wickman. No, I don't think so. So it's a business framework. And it's for larger companies. And there's, there was two books that really were powerful. It was that book and Profit First, which is uh, Mike, Mike, I forget. His name is Mike. Um, so those two books are really powerful because the first one, you know, like whenever they tell you to do exercises in a book and you've been doing business for more than 10 years, you're like, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, not, not going to sit on. down. And, yeah. and, and even though they're like, no, no, really, pull out a sheet of paper and write yeah, exactly. down. And you're like, okay, I'm doing it. Wink, wink. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, write down your confirmation number. Yep. What is it? Num- t- okay. Got it. Wrote it down. <laughs> Two sure. Z seven. Okay. Yeah. I'm never calling you back customer <laughs> service. So like, uh, I, I, I actually did it. I sat down with, uh, two friends and I, and I did the the worksheet, which was just figuring out what your business does, which sounds like, I know what my business does. We're, we, we run websites, but it really, it allowed me to get super clear on like, okay, sure. But what does your company do? Like mm-hmm. what, what do we, what does everyone in the company do? What is the main goal? And so I learned that we are a digital media company and not, and not even that digital publishing. So the, so then like when I looked at Ernest, I'm like, well, Ernest is software. Okay. Well, that's not what we do. And I could sit there in my brain and, you know, fit that, you know, square peg into that round hole. And I, and I didn't, I was like, Hey, we don't do that. So that's why I made the decision to not pursue Ernest as a, as a business. I kept it up and running, but it wasn't what we were going to spend all our time focusing on. And when it came to product sales, I have, I have a million ideas for products that I want to make or like different types of um, business models that I want to try. And it's like, if those things don't involve some sort of digital media, then I'm not going to do it. And I've had to say no. So for example, um, software, like it's, yeah, I might build some internal software for us, but that internal software better work to make digital publishing easier or better for us. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily need to be sold. And so you know, building stuff internally is fine, but selling it externally isn't because that would turn my company into a software company. And then it's not technically what we are. Now I do mention that I own Lasso. So that is a separate company. And in this case, I'm, I'm talking about my personal company, which runs these authority sites. And so, you mentioned, you mentioned like something at the core of this was, uh, doing more of what you're really good at. Was this, yeah. was this something that you, you gleaned from one of those books or this is kind of how you took the, the message? It, yeah. So it was, um, really just, and that's what the, the traction book is kind of the beginning of it, at least it's like, you know, you're a lot of companies do things they really shouldn't be doing because that's not what that company actually does. And in my case, it's really me, right? It's like, I am the company at this point and I'm at least I'm small enough to consider it that way. So it's, what is Matt really good at? And therefore could his whole company would be really good at. And again, I mentioned that's the digital publishing stuff. And so this year I decided to kind of um, really just single handedly focus on that one idea of if we just and my my word, my phrase is pump out the jams. If we just pump out the jams and we do it smart and we do it better and we do it more efficiently, like that's what we do. You know, like Toyota doesn't make, you know, ceiling fans. They can, you know, but they, they make cars. They probably they, make a decent ceiling fan. Yeah, they make it. Yeah, pretty nice one. But, you know, one that's long lasting, fit a family of four, those sorts of things. Yeah. But doesn't look particularly you, stylish. Doesn't make no. you feel like cool. No, but it gets you from point hot to point cold. Yeah. You know, that's what they do. But yeah. they could do that, you know, and, and I know like Mitsubishi is a company that does do, do shit like that, right? They make cars and then also like TVs um, or but, jet engines or something. Or jet engines. Yeah, whatever they do. I wanted to get 
re- I wanted my company to get really good at posting on a consistent schedule, both blog posts, podcasts, and videos. That is what we do. And also doing that leads to a lot of really easy sales. You know, if we're, if we're producing really good posts on Swim University and we're publishing digital media, like we developed video courses to, to supplement our books that we were selling, that makes sense. And we got really, really, really good at that. And I continue to see my, to see our company get better at that. And I continue to look at my company and say, how do we do like every quarter? It's like, well, every month I look at my expenses and say, what can we delete? What can we edit? And then every quarter it's like, well, how can we either do more without sacrificing quality or how do we increase the quality without doing less, you know, or not without publishing less? Yeah. And, and do you, um, how does your choice of revenue model fit in with this? Because if you're doing more of what you're good at, mm-hmm. do you, do you outsource the revenue part of it to no. only, only affiliate stuff or how does that fit in? Yeah. So that's a great question because, uh, one of the things that I edited out this year was selling sponsorships. Okay. So we used to sell sponsorships through our newsletter on some university and our blog post. We used to sell, you know, sponsored posts and sponsored newsletters. And it turned out that we weren't really good at that because we were an unbiased. We take a very journalistic approach to pool care, which sounds silly and like high <laughs> the and mighty, highest but, of integrity. Yeah, right. But the truth is, is like we have articles on our website completely like exposing some of the, you know, sales tactics within the industry. Ah. And we and I started to see pushback from our sponsors like, yeah, they're like, hey, you know what that we sell that chemical and yet you just published this article that's like destroying that people shouldn't buy this chemical. Yeah. And it's, I realized that like, well, I'd actually rather do that because that's going to get traffic. That's going to get people to trust us. And then also like that we're set, what we're essentially selling is just space. That's not really what my company does. If you think about it. So yes, a lot of companies make money that way. And I definitely think that a lot of money can be made that way. Um, but it just felt it wasn't a good focus. And so the better focus would be to um, write the articles and add affiliate links, which are very easy. We don't have to deal with companies. We can recommend the things that we want to recommend and should recommend, which gets people to trust us. And that, and that way we can claim we are unbiased. We are a true, you know, we're actually probably one of the only completely unbiased pool companies. We're not owned by any chemical company or manufacturer, which a lot of these other places are. It's just me and a handful of people, you know, writing what we think is the best. Yeah, and that forces that forced me to reevaluate my re- my my business model and my revenue models. So I because I had to edit that, we had to increase other spots which were working. And so one of those was product sales, right? So we have our own digital media products. We had two. We had um, what's called the Hot Tub Handbook, which is a PDF. It was a 50, 55 page PDF on how to take care of a hot tub that we would sell for nineteen dollars. And then we had another product called the pool care handbook, or at the time was called the art of pool care, which was uh, a 300 page PDF all about taking care of a pool that was $29. And so at the end of last year, I decided, well, if we are a digital media company, let's put more effort towards creating digital media that will actually make us money, you know, aside from the affiliate marketing, which was let's increase, let's, let's rewrite the hot tub handbook. Let's make it better. So the team got on that. And we wrote this massive book. So we was, we'd like tripled the size of it. Um, and we were able to charge more for that. And then the other thing we did was create video courses to go along with those books, which allowed us to charge even more money for the same product. And then we got better at literally talking about those things. And so when I say pump out the jams, we are pumping out articles and videos and podcasts. And so the problem was, we weren't really talking like we were so focused on like affiliate marketing. We weren't even talking about our own thing. Yeah. And so I had to look at our site and go, well, how can we just, how can we just talk about this more? And we did. And we saw shit sales shoot up because it was like, Oh, we just had to mention it. <laughs> right. Simple things, right? Simple I, things. I, I noticed on your uh, money lab podcast that you have a specific, almost like a, a sponsorship spot on mm-hmm. the show, but it's for one of your own products. Yes. And it's dynamic. 
Meaning, so, use- so it goes back and updates in prior episodes as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. Because um, we're using Megaphone. Because of Listen Money Matters, we're on the same um, like network that we call it. So yeah, it allowed me to just create a spot for it. And then I can just, if we, you know, I create a new course on Money Lab on, you know, whatever, I can create an MP3, like a one minute MP3 and hit upload. And it will literally like every, if you were to go download any episode from there on out, you would get that ad. Really? Yeah. What What's that tool called? Megaphone. Huh. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great for, uh, great for you. Not what traditional sponsors are looking for. Like they want their thing to get embedded and stay in there forever. But I guess you could write that agreement, you know, if you wanted to in a different way. Yeah, you do it by impressions now. So you sell, you sell it traditionally. You sell it like a CPM. You're like, oh, how many, oh, you want 40,000 impressions? Cool. We flip a switch. Once it gets to 40,000 impressions, we turn it off. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's pretty rad. Yeah. So my, so the podcast has been great because we started, so day one, when we started the podcast, that was the intention. It was to actually help sell our courses on Money Lab because I really am. I'm also terrible at talking about our courses on Money Lab. But I'm like, hey, if we just create day one, we have a sponsor and it's us. Well, then, then it gives us a reason to do the podcast. And literally, like the podcast is not a huge show. It's pretty small. I mean, in, in show size, it's probably like a couple thousand downloads an episode. Yeah. Right. Um, but it makes about a couple thousand dollars a month just because I am pitching my own products and I'm yeah. taking all of that revenue, not just the sponsorship revenue, but right. And yeah. and that's, that's something people don't understand a lot is, is mm-hmm. like in order to make uh sponsorship revenue work, you're going to have mm-hmm. to have a massive audience because for you to earn, do you publish weekly? Yeah. Every month for you to earn $2,000 a month in sponsorship, that'd be $500 an episode. And probably you're going to need to be selling having more like 10,000 plus downloads per episode. So, so you might be earning like five times as much as you would from having someone else sponsor the show because you're collecting all that revenue when people buy your product. And also because the product is from you, it's super related to the podcast and people know, like, and trust you. So there's just an easy transition from listening to the show to buying one of your things. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And also if you sell sponsorships and this is what I experienced at Swim University, the amount of work it takes to sell that sponsorship. And then it just, you just get paid that one time. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. like you have a, your own product on your very first episode. So anybody who finds your podcast for the first time and, and decides to start at the beginning, they're about to hear, you know, 15, 20 episodes pitching the same product and they're going to be more likely to buy that product and it's your money. So it's all, it's timeless too. Yeah. No, I, I love that model. Um, because yeah. traditionally the way that we sell sponsorships is, uh, you pay for an episode for your mm-hmm. spot to be embedded in that episode forever. And so we have stuff from hundreds of episodes ago <laughs> that is still mm-hmm. getting listened to. And you never know like when yeah. an episode's going to take off, like some become really popular. And sure. so this one sponsor got super lucky because they were on those episodes as opposed to right. some other ones. So that's, and, and, that's and, a smart as, as an owner, as a podcast owner, that's a really smart way to do ads. Yeah. And we, that was, that's been kind of my m- bigger focus this entire year, which is even with the, um, so we started doing YouTube videos this year and for Swim University specifically. And I've always wanted, I did, you know, I did videos a long time ago and I used to attribute a lot of my success to, oh, we started making videos and that really hit home for people. And then I stopped doing it because it became harder. I moved away from my friend's pool, I, you know, and also going out into the pool in, in the summer in New Jersey to record a video by yourself in your friend's backyard. It's like, I know, I know he's not watching me from the kitchen, talking to a camera and sweating my balls off, but I, <laughs> I feel like he is. And so yeah, in my head, I'm like, just like kind of embarrassed, you know, I'm yeah. just kind of sitting there like, and so I, I figured out a way to, uh, I guess hack that in a way, um, to where I could do these videos in the comfort of my own home very fast and effectively. And what I did was every video has a sponsor and it's my product. And so every video also has a coupon code and every video description has a UTM code. And so when I go back and look, we're actually making money from YouTube 
and not through, I mean, we are making money through their, their ad program, which is nice, Yeah. but we're actually making money because people are going into the description and clicking that link. Cause I can see it in analytics and I can measure it all the way through. And it makes it easier to measure if you're making money because it's your own product. So you know the beginning to end. Totally. How, how and, does it yeah. compare? How do the two compare? Like the, the YouTube sponsorship revenue that you earn versus your own products? So, I th- well, so we are at the height of pool season because we're recording this in August. So I, I have um, data from January and we were making about $2,000 a month in June from ad revenue from YouTube, which is literally just clicking a checkbox and you have ad revenue, you're not in charge of selling that. And then about 2,500 in book sales from specifically from the, from the videos. Yeah. Cause I, and I, I track that with the coupon code. Yeah. And that's how I, know. yeah. And so that's specific exposure. That's not just people remembering swim care university and then eventually right. going and buying it, which also right. probably happens. Well, also too, those videos are embedded on our website, which gets a ton of traffic. And so if you're, so it, the thing was in this, this is the reason I even started the YouTube thing uh, or started it up again was I had turned all the ads off for some dumb reason, like a, a year ago. And I went back and I'm like, oh, why am I doing that? Like I might as well put, and I turned them all on and I'm like, oh my God, this is making money. Cause I just, when my site has so much traffic and we were embedding these videos on our site. So we, they, were, they were not only getting views on YouTube through their algorithm, they were getting views for the embed code. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, okay, well then that's another way for my site to make more money by literally doing nothing, by clicking a checkbox. Okay. Now you're not making kick-ass money. You're not doing like gangbusters, but it's there and it requires zero effort to ch- click a checkbox and turn on monetization. And so we did that. And then I was like, well, let's just start doing more and embedding it more. And then the, let's also promote the product within the video, which makes sense. Cause then I'm like, it's like having a podcast. Like I can literally sell it to you Yeah. and I can put a coupon code to track it. And then it's also embedded on my site. So it's like, now we're, we're mentioning the product even more on our own site. And so all of those, like, it's sort of, it's like kind of got in my own way with that one. You know, where it was, oh, if I just focused on making great content and talking about the other paid content that I have more often, it turns out you make more sales because <laughs> I, you just got to say it. Right. It's it's sometimes as simple as that. I, I think that people uh, do get in their own way sometimes mm-hmm. because either they don't sit down to think, to connect the dots between, okay, I'm pumping out all this content. How do I actually convert this into revenue? Mm -hmm. And then also sometimes people feel like, Oh, I don't want to be a bother or like mention this thing. You don't want to be too salesy, too salesy or or whatever. But, um, you're talking literally about 20 or 30 seconds at the end of a video where you say, Hey, Mm -hmm. by the way, we've got this thing for sale. And if you want to get a discount, here's a code. Yeah. I'm like, thanks for watching this video. I love you so much. Here's a coupon code, get 10% off. You're going to love it. It's got everything you need and it's always updated because it's a web product. It's a digital product. One of the things it's, that yeah. that I, I think that prevents people from doing much on YouTube or whatever, first of all, is it sucks when you publish videos and then like 50 people watch it and you just feel shitty about it, right? Mm-hmm. Or you get a bad comment or a thumbs down. Yeah, yeah you get a thumbs da- one thumbs down <laughs> or like somebody's like, who's this, you know, balding piece of shit, blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh God, I get the, I get the, I used to say Wooder. Yeah. You know, like I'm dot, you know, and, I, and I, a lot of the comments are just like, Wooder? The, the phonetic, Did you say yeah, Wooder? Phonetic. Yeah. It says Wooder. Why would you learn anything from this idiot? <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so that stops you. Yes. Yes, it does. Not getting views stops you. And then also mm-hmm. the, the amount of time it takes to produce videos mm-hmm. sometimes is yeah. just a drag. Oh, I thought so much about that. Yeah. And so how have you, how have you solved that? Are you just spending hours and hours doing this or? No. Um, so. That was, <laughs> so everything I try to do now, like you, you know, they, you know, they, they have that adage, like work on your business, not in your business. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that, but I also like working in my business. I'm very good at writing articles and blog recording podcasts and doing videos. Like I like that kind of work. And I, I don't, I don't think that I'm special. Like, Oh, I'm better at this than a lot of people. So I'm just going to, this is what I'm going to focus on. It's just like, I like doing it and it's, and it's really rewarding to put out a piece of content that you're proud of. But at the same time, 
you have to be consistent, right? Because consistency is key. So with the podcast, a lot of people have been doing seasons and I've never believed in seasons when it came to podcasting because that's not how I listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. you know? And as soon as the season's over, I'm like, oh, I'm done. Like I've not, I listened to startup season one and then listened to no other startups. Yeah. I kind There's of so many felt like startup was done after the yeah. first season. And then it's like, oh, it's still going on. And, but now they're running, actually I did check in recently and they're like running episodes for a different show because right. they don't have their own content. It's, it's kind of weird, but yeah. So I, so the whole thing with me is I, I know I need to be consistent, but I need to not burn myself out. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot on YouTube, like people who've burned out because they're producing daily content. Every or, YouTuber seems to have some kind of mental breakdown eventually. Yeah. Like if they get really into it, the ones that are doing like hundreds of thousands of subscribers or whatever, yep. it's, it's tough, man. And also because you feel like this marionette that, you know, is being, or this puppet that's being controlled by the viewers, right? And the, the algorithm too, and right? The algorithm, like, yeah. I have to do a video about Minecraft because it's killing. It's like <laughs> everything that's trending is about Minecraft right now. Yeah. Or Fortnite you know, or whatever. Or yeah. Fortnite. Yeah. So I, what I've decided that I needed to do, and this is all in, in all aspects, like not like I run two podcasts, right? Two podcasts and I, that are weekly and a weekly video series on YouTube and her, are producing uh, two articles a week on, you know, all my sites. Like, well, how is that even possible? That's a lot. A lot. That's a lot. A, a lot. lot of people struggle with just making one piece of content a week. Right. Yes. So, um, that has been, I, you know, I, another big, another really, really influential thing to me was The Prophet. You ever watch that show? No. Dude. Look, it, the reason I like it, and I really thought, like, you know, I would watch, uh, what's that show, Shark Tank? Uh-huh. You'd watch that every once in a while. You're like, uh, like, I, I don't know. What, like, I, I wanted nothing like to do with any of those people. Same. Yeah. But for some reason, I can't not, like, I, if it's on, I'll watch it. Sure. But I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't hate it because it's talking about a thing I'm actually interested in, right? Yeah. It's like there are homebrewing shows that are terrible. I'm still going to watch them because I enjoy homebrewing. Like it's just I can't look away. And so I asked, is there any other show that's like Shark Tank but is a little bit more in the weeds? And somebody had mentioned The Prophet. I think it was Joel Runyon. And I looked it up an episode. And I watched about two or three. And I was – and he has a very consistent message which is people process product, right? And he, I think, got me thinking a lot about the, how everything has to be processed. And if you can think, and if you, that's, to me, that's working on the business is, okay, yes, I might be doing every single step in the process, but I need to refine the process. I need to constantly edit it and look at why are we doing that? Yeah, or for example, do this? for example, like uh, working on the business to me is the part where you're like, oh, we should be mentioning our own products consistently in every episode that we do. Mm-hmm. That's working on the business. Working in the business is actually making those videos and then doing right. the ad read or whatever. But if you right. didn't take time to like take a step back and look at the bigger picture and realize we're not selling these books because we're not talking about them frequently enough and where else could we be talking about them, then that's, yeah. that's the CEO hat that you had on. Totally. And I did this with, with video where I decided – that video was a good move because again, I had turned on those check boxes. I had looked at the revenue and I'm like, I think this would be very lucrative. And it made sense. Like it was already lucrative. And so I knew it was a worthwhile investment of my time. And I sat down and I did the entire process. So I literally created an Asana board and, or like, like Trello or whatever. Um, and was like, okay, well, what's the first step in a video? I have to write a script or I have to come up with a freaking idea. So I come up with the idea, write the script. And then the biggest part was filming it. How am I going to film it? Right. I don't own a pool. I live in a city technically. Um, in my head, I'm like, I need to be in front of a pool if I'm going to be talking about pools. And I had built, so I, so I was like, well, maybe I don't, maybe what's an alternative. So I went, took my camera, went outside and just tried to film in front of a tree. So I'm like, Oh, if I, at least I'm outside, people will think I'm near a pool. I can add a pool sound and like no one would be the wiser. And I could use B roll from other pools to kind of fill the space. And my, I live in a city. So then it was very loud. It was noisy. And then people were walking by and I didn't want to look like an idiot. Like I said before, with my buddy, yeah. So like, I just didn't like that. So then I decided to build this Ikea shelf in my office that had, and I bought a bunch of pool noodles and, a, and some chemicals and I put it on these shelves 
And I started doing that and I realized, well, that's not very flexible because I can literally only do pool videos because the shelf is full of pool chemicals and not yeah. other things. If yeah. I wanted to do like money lab videos or something else. And so it was Caleb. I was watching his YouTube channel. Caleb logic. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he had a, he was just in front of a blue background and I was like, Oh, well, that works. I can do that. I can just get a blue background. Just an empty blue background. Just an empty blue paper backdrop. And I had to research it and find out. And so I, I liked the orange one better, which was, uh, I think it popped a little bit more for, and it was, it fit my brand. So, okay, great. So I bought a roll of that, literally just pinned it up in my, on my wall. I had a, a box and a camera and I just sat in front of my camera and I wrote this script and I just read into it, read into the camera. And I was just kind of like going off the top of my head. And, you know, I had, to, I had a loose script because I didn't want to, I'm not a good writer, but I had a loose script, got in front of the camera and then spent and then, you know, imported both the audio and the video and then spent all this time editing and learning all the different tricks to edit and different things that I liked. And then I would publish it and I would literally do the whole process. And then I'd go, okay, here. And then I wrote down everything that I did in the first time. And then I went back and I tried to do it again, but I was trying to beat the record of how fast I could do it. Mm. You know, so where can I cut corners or do something just a little just bit Just to faster? get this video out as fast as possible yeah. from start to finish. From start to finish. So the first video took me forever because I was coming up with the template. And the right? process. Building, of, yeah. Right. And so I just kept shaving off seconds and minutes by, you know, either using presets in, in Premiere or, you know, just how I exported it, how I batched, how I wrote the script, how I did the filming. And I've gotten to a process where basically I then it, I had it down to a science and I probably did about eight or nine videos, you know, in this time frame, all in a month because I was do, I was literally focused on this. And once I had all the videos done, I was like, OK, well, now how do I remove myself from one step, you know, and what step sucks the most? And for me, that was writing the script. I yeah. hated it. It was the most frustrating part of it. I liked all the other pieces, yep. but that was the most frustrating. And so I had a right, I have a, a you know, I have a, an editor in chief on my, in my company. I talked to her and I was like, would you be interested in writing scripts since you're already writing articles? Like you can just turn these articles into scripts and here's the, here's the template on how to build the script. She was thankful to me because she's like, oh, I get to do something different. Like I just needed to get out of the article writing space for a little bit. Not that she's not doing that, but she needed, you know, just like a creative sort of break. So she does that now. And then I film it and I edit it and then I upload it and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, all right, what's the second part that sucks the most? And then that was the editing. And so I hired an editor and I, he, but he already had an exact science on how to do it. Like I filmed an entire video. And like, you had shown him exactly you, what, yeah. Yep. Here's all the presets. Here's how to do things. And then like every time, so we use this company or this program called frame.io, which is where he gets to upload the final product. And then you play it and I can write comments and it'll timestamp those comments. And then he can, you know, just make updates. But every time I would make a decision like, Hey, every time you do a jump cut, zoom in 20%, right? Just little things. I would write that down. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm making, I've made this decision and I will continue to make this decision now this decision is canon. This is part of the process, yep. right? So, so if I see it again, I just go, hey, refer to the manual. This is what we do. You know, every time something appears on screen, you have to have a pop sound and you have to have a whoosh sound when it whooshes off a screen. And you, like just these little <laughs> things. But everything was written down. And now I don't have to say it as much. Yeah. Say it less, right? And then the, 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 the third worst part was filming, right? And I'm like, well... I'm kind of, that's the only thing that Matt has to do. He has to sit in front of a camera and he has to talk for that 15 minutes or whatever it takes to yeah. film. And you don't I mean can't... the, you don't mean the camera part. You mean the actual, like being on camera. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I have to do that no matter what. Okay. But how do I, but then I thought, okay, well, how does that, how can I make that easier and more enjoyable for myself? Because I was doing this, I was writing these scripts but I was literally, I had on my phone in my hand with a script on it and I would talk to the camera and I would get stuff wrong and I would get mad at myself and then I'd start sweating because I was getting things wrong or it would take me multiple takes. Right. And I started getting frustrated. I'm like, and then it became, well, I don't want to sit down in front of the camera. This sucks. 
And so I thought that might be a bottleneck for me in the future. Like, I, yeah, I'm getting it done now because now I have two people on either end. Like, I right? Need to but get you it might done. hit hit the wall like in yeah, a couple of months. Yeah, burn out. Yeah. And so I had to figure out. I was like, all right. And it's a matter of testing and looking at each step and going like, okay, well, what can I do to make this a little bit easier? And I went and bought a teleprompter. And I'm like, maybe a teleprompter would be easier for me to do because I could literally have my um, writer write the script as is. And then all I have to do is say it. So I would know prior to that, I'm getting the information correct across the screen. Right. And I don't have to think I could just kind of read. And that was the most recent thing I did. And I can now batch like six episodes in a day and it takes me an hour or two. And that's six bit. And then like, I don't have to do any other step. It's that's, done. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think like that is getting ruthless about making sure that the little things that you have to do to produce a piece of content, whether it be writing, writing an article or recording a podcast episode or doing YouTube videos or whatever, mm -hmm. it's all of that little stuff that happens before and afterwards that takes forever that yeah. is going to cause you maybe to burn out or just to, uh, just to get so stuck on, I don't have enough time to mm -hmm. do all of the content that I want to do because yeah, sure. This, this video really is like me on camera for a half hour, but everything before and after that adds up to like three hours. And after that three hours, I don't have the energy to do another one. And what I think what burns you out though, is the repetitive nature of that what too. It, that it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uploading a video to YouTube. And again, I, I used to say this phrase, can I curse? Um, okay. Just one. I mean, I should say it thing <laughs> sure okay if you're quoting yourself i'm quoting a thing that this is something that you I say it say. and i'll try to beep in real time <laughs> I'll, I'll censor myself okay about that? <laughs> all right I'll, okay so i the mentality of f it just give it to me i'll do it yeah totally i did that i would i still sometimes catch myself doing that where i'm like it's more, sometimes it's more stressful to get someone else to do something for you the way you want to do it versus just doing it yourself. Cause it'll only take five minutes if you do it. Yeah. Right. And so I would always be the guy that said, F it, give it to me. I'll do it. And, th and that was my phrase when I, and then now that's my phrase when I don't want to do that. Like, how do I avoid that moment? So th this is interesting because I, I feel like it's a, a maturity thing. Like it, as being an entrepreneur, mm. being a business owner, understanding that your business can't grow beyond a certain point if your attitude all the time is F it, give it to me, I'll do it. Because, yeah. because you can do it faster and better, probably. Of course. But you have to pick your battles and decide, like, <laughs> is it the best use of my time to be editing this video because it might be slightly better or slightly faster when I could be spending that time doing something else? But, right. but I'm curious because, you know, that, that's, that's a typical thing that all entrepreneurs have to go through and you kind of have to decide, like, is it a point of pride for me to make sure that everything's like perfect and that I've done everything or do I want my business to grow beyond this point? However, yeah. I know that you and other people that I've talked to, it feels like there's been kind of this season of entrepreneurs that I know who have grown businesses to the point where they had maybe half a dozen different people or more working on various things and then you kind of look at all of this and realize, how did I get to this point where I have all of these people and I'm not sure that they're actually working on things that are valuable to me. So yeah. there's this, there's this balance. And then I've seen people decide that, well, I kind of need to clean house and, and make sure that I'm honing in on the best people doing the things that are really important and so on. So mm -hmm. there's this pendulum, you know, maybe, maybe you finally realize I can't do all of this myself. I need to get people to do this for me. Or maybe you've just heard that advice from, from entrepreneurial shows. Like you need to be outsourcing. You need to be spending your time on the things that matter and so on. But then you just keep like building and hiring and so on until you find yourself with all these people. And you're like, wait a second, like I'm not making any money at the end of the day. Right. Right. And so well, then that's, that's, I mean, to that is the second book that I mentioned that profit first book. Yeah. That completely changed my mindset especially being a solopreneur or, you know, an indie develop, uh, like an indie entrepreneur, which is why do you own a business? Is it just to grow and have a bunch of employees and get paid the same as everybody else? Or is it to actually make more money? And so the idea of the profit first book was to kind of reframe that your business should be profitable on day one, you know, whether or not you get paid enough, 
uh, it's the I, you know, the same rule about personal finance where it's pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing, which is, you know, yeah, you get a paycheck, pay yourself 10% and assume that once that's gone, that's what you're really being paid. And 10% is being set aside to pay yourself first. Well, the same principle applies to businesses. If on day one, you take out 10% of your revenue and put it into a profit account, quote unquote, then your business is technically profitable on day one. You might not be making a ton of money. Yeah. And you might not be able to, to afford hiring out because it's, it, you know, it comes off of that. So it's your business doesn't make 100% revenue. It actually makes 90% revenue. And then, that, and then maybe 35% of that goes towards hiring out. And then the other 50% of that or whatever goes to you and your salary. And so there's this like way of, you know, per- percentaging out what gets allocated to where. It's like and forced profitability, basically. It's forced profitability. Yeah. But, that, the mind, but the mindset there and what makes it great is it sort of goes, well, you only have this much left to pay others, right? Or you only have like you're paid and your company's paid. And now you only have X amount of doubt. You basically built a budget for your business. And so now I have to look at it and say, wow, we're spending a lot of money to grow this company. And yet we're not even doing things that matter or that make any money. So it's like, why am I paying somebody to put up Pinterest stuff? Okay. I'm paying somebody to make Pinterest stuff for me. Let's go in for a second and measure this to see if that's actually, if that person is paying for themselves. Cause everyone just thinks, oh, I should do social media. That was a huge one for me was we were doing social media. And then I looked at the amount of money we were making from that traffic in social media and it was nothing. And so I'm like, okay, well, it's really easy to say no to social media, but everyone thinks, well, you have to do social media. That's how you market. Well, that wasn't how we were marketing. And it turns out like, I don't need to do those things right now, but perhaps once I get my one thing that we are very good at, then I could go, okay, let's try Instagram or let's try Pinterest. And I will do the work personally to build it up and so that it isn't profitable enough to hire somebody out because I have a budget. And that's what happened with video. I did all the first 70 videos on that, on that channel completely by myself, but now it makes enough money for me to hire a writer and editor and that's it. Yeah. And and buy buy a $200 teleprompter. And doing it yourself first is always a great idea anyway. Uh, if, if you have the skills, because you really get to know the process from start to finish so mm-hmm. that you can teach someone else to do it as opposed yeah. to just giving it to somebody to begin with and then hoping that they come up with something that, that works and then having this back and forth, back and forth. And I'll give you one more example of that, which is the Money Lab podcast. The Money Lab podcast, I did the first 60 episodes or so completely start to finish. Like I would write the show notes. I would write the script for the, for the show. I would record it. I would go into logic. I would edit the show. I would upload it to, uh, I was using, um, transistor at the time and I did it soup to nuts all the way through. And I saw that it was making some money, probably like a thousand, you know, because we did pretty good right away. And it's because we were selling our own products. And so, and you had a great first guest, I think. I think the the first guest was really just set it off. Yeah, it, right. It set just, the tone. just unbelievable, groundbreaking episode. So you have to have people that. talk about that episode still today. St- yeah, still, yeah. Money Lab um, episode number one. Check it out. There you go. Yeah, check it out. So I so it took me yeah fifty or so episodes before I can be like okay, well, um, I am I am in every single part of this process, and again, that ha- also has its own process, similar to the videos. It's like, well, where where is Matt hate? What does Matt hate the most? How can he remove himself? And I hate talking in a third person, but I have to, because that's how you work on a business, right? It's like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. the, I'm the, right? So it's like, where does he hate it? And it's like, oh, he hates um, editing. Well, okay, it's repetitive, it's boring, and uploading is like, you know, so just find one person who can do that, just that job. I happen to find somebody who would do all of it. So how'd you find that lived, person, by the way? Um, she was in the next room and I was like, Hey, oh. would you be interested? In- <laughs> wow. That's lucky. And, and, and maybe that's interesting, you know, maybe but she um, didn't know, but she didn't know how to do like she learned. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it was, and I do had you, to find, do you, do you pay her like straight yes. up? Yep. That's great. Yeah. I like that. Yep. He has a salary or yeah. whatever, like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, contractor. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, and, and that, and, and so here's the best part. The best part is when I do the Money Lab show, which is every Thursday we record, I literally show up to my computer, I click one button in Google Calendar, and the show notes comes up, it has a link to Zencaster, uh, it has everything I need, 
and I just hit record and I do my show and I get to focus 100% on being an entertaining and skilled broadcaster. And then I hit stop and that's it. I do nothing else to get that show done. So can I do a, a daily show? I could absolutely do a daily show with that kind of process. You, you did how many episodes before you got to that, that process? About 50 or 60. Okay. So, and, and, you, and, and it made money. So, and I made sure that to hire somebody, I had to stay within budget. Yeah. 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 Do you yeah. feel like, um, you could have done it earlier? Would you advise people who are starting a, a show or a video channel or something to within X number of episodes, try to have it mostly automated and outsourced? I would say to avoid burnout. Yeah. But I think the longer you do it, the more you understand it, but you can't just do it. Right. Cause I know a lot of YouTubers uh, who are making, who have millions of subscribers still do super everything. Nuts stuff. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I just heard PewDiePie as literally the biggest YouTuber on YouTube say that he's been editing those most recent Minecraft videos. He's been doing everything. Yeah. Even though he has a, t a team of other people who can help him. Yeah. But he's like, I like doing it, but I can see that this is, I'm going to need a break at some point. Yeah. And, and who are we to like judge because he made like $10 million or something last right. year from YouTube. Uh, so obviously he's doing fine, but for most of us who are building reasonable small businesses, yeah, like the time matters and, and the, the creative energy matters a lot to be able to show up to a YouTube video and a podcast or two podcasts every week, you have to save some in the tank to mm -hmm. be able to show up and be that professional entertaining right. broadcaster that you want to be. And if you've been like hunkered down editing videos and you just don't have the energy for it anymore, it's just not going to come off very well. I mean, that's what happens, right? You it's, I, I think it's all of the little things that surround the, the real thing that you're good at. And those things are what make that those t tedious repeatable things are what lead to burnout. Yeah. You know, and, and the schedule that you set for yourself. So the reason why I don't do five, podcast a, a, a week is because I'm just, even though the process is tight enough to where that is certainly a feasible thing. We did that for a month. We did that a month in October where we recorded a podcast for those exact 31 days. And it was just like, Oh, that was a lot, man. And, um, we really didn't see a lot of extra growth from that month compared to the, the months prior to it. We were only doing weekly. So it just made no sense at that point to do daily. And because we were measuring to make sure, like, should we do daily? Everything you do or everything that I do specifically is a test. It's an experiment. Is this going to work? Is there a potential? And what's the key value or what's the metric that we're, we're measuring to say that this is successful or not? Yep. And if that's not working, like if I wasn't making money on the YouTube videos, I would start to question whether we should be, whether I should be spending this money on the writer and the editor and my, and myself's time to produce these videos. But we're at the point now where we are making money and it is, it is not terrible. It's not like ex extremely profitable. It's not like we're like 10 Xing our business or yeah. anything, but it's, it's, it's affording itself plus some. And the more we make, the more that's going to, and it's all evergreen, which is the best. It's like, that's what makes it important. And, and, and everything I tried to do also was like, I am, I don't want to sit in, I don't want to sit at my computer unless I'm going to create something that will continue to bring me either revenue or traffic or some sort of value forever. Like everything is an investment. I'm not just going to show up to the computer, sell one, you know, sponsor ad on one episode or one email and go, cool. I made $500. Do it again tomorrow. Cause yep. if, as soon as you stop, that's a recipe you, for burnout as well. hundred percent. When you know that the reward is fixed. Yep. Matt, thank you so much for being on today. We have a couple of things I think we should share with people before you leave. Um, the first is that you have generously incorporated your affiliate marketing course inside of Fizzle for a potentially limited time. We're not sure yet. Mm -hmm. We'll see where it goes. But I have to tell people this is an incredible, thorough affiliate marketing course from somebody who knows because you have earned money from affiliate marketing and all kinds of different topics from pool mm -hmm. care to brewing beer, to making coffee, to, uh, doing experiments on your own business, all mm -hmm. kinds of things. And, um, this course, if you went out and purchased it separately is $197. 
Is that what it is? $149. $149? Yeah. And uh, you can get it as part of your Fizzle membership right now. If you head over to fizzle.co, sign up for a free membership, and you can get into Matt's affiliate marketing course along with our 40 other courses inside of Fizzle, the community, the weekly coaching, all of the bells and whistles in there. And also... Uh, we have a free trial for people who want to check out Lasso, which is the affiliate marketing link management plugin that Matt built that we talked about earlier. You can head to fizzle.co slash Lasso, and that will get you into a free trial of Lasso for your WordPress website. Uh, anything else that we should wrap up with, Matt? Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me on. I would be remiss to say I need to plug the Money Lab podcast. Yes. That's what my producer is telling me. Okay. I need, I, I was, I got very specific instructions that I had to promote that. And so I, you know, if you were interested in, in, you know, what the show is all about, then I'm pretty sure you're going to like the Money Lab podcast as well. It's a great overlap for people who like the Fizzle show. If you're looking for other entrepreneurship podcasts over at Money Lab, uh, Matt, talks about the experiments that you're running. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have guests on, sometimes you have mm -hmm. really great guests on. It depends yep. uh, on the week. And uh, people can find that over at uh, moneylab.co slash podcast. Awesome. Thank you very much, Matt, for having on. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again to Matt Giovanisi for being our guest today. And thanks to you for listening. If you liked today's episode, would you mind either leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or telling somebody about the show? We depend on listeners like you to help us get the word out, and a review or referral is the best way to share your appreciation for the show. As always, you can find the full show notes over at fizzleshow.co. That's fizzleshow.co. I'm Corbett Barr, and until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. <laughs>